You are listening to From the Midwest to the Middle East, the latest on U.S. tax, Israeli economy, and lots of in-between. Interviewing Israeli and international experts. Chicago, Chicago, that Welcome to our podcast. I am Philip Stein, president of Philip Stein & Associates. Hi, I'm very happy to have a friend, colleague uh, with me today, Glenn Schwaber. I've known Glenn for quite a number of years. Uh, I met him when he was a uh, venture capitalist in the uh, late part of the 20th century, and uh, he has now worked his way to be one of the premier players in the clean tech space in Israel. He is a partner in a, ca- a fund called Israel Clean Tech, and I'm really excited to have this t- opportunity to talk to you about what you're doing these days. Welcome, Glenn. Thanks, Philip. Great to, great to be on the program. Okay, so I'm going to start, uh, go right into the questions, and, and uh, one thing I'd like to ask you is how did you decide to go from the world of venture capital to the world of clean tech, or is it not really, is it just an evolution as opposed to a change or transition? Right. So I guess I guess I would I I did not change careers. I'm still in venture capital. Um, and what what happened is that after spending uh, the better part of my career at a firm called JDP Jerusalem Venture Partners, which is one of the premier uh, generalist VC funds in Israel, um, I spent nine years there. And I was approached by two friends and now colleagues, partners of mine, uh, Jack Levy and Mayor Eucalese, who had, this is in 2005 or so, who had been canvassing the world in, in Israel for innovation in clean tech um, and had come up with about 90 to 100 or so companies in a database. And some of these were established companies, some of these were projects and incubators, some of these were just ideas that people had. Um, and they had the idea of setting up uh, an early stage investment vehicle to take advantage of some of the deal flow that they were seeing. Um, and it was in that context that I got to speaking with them. And what I realized is that many of the generalist VCs at the time in Israel, and there were, there were several and there still are several, uh, very, very uh, strong outfits, we're not focusing on clean tech as an independent investment domain. So they had, um, you know, they had uh, medical practices, um, they had biotech practices, they had communications practices, semiconductors, software, uh, security, etc. Um, for whatever reason, and we can go into that later later on, is is that people were not really looking at. Uh, clean tech as a way to make money as, a, as venture capitalists. And so the occasional deal would come in. Um, in most cases, it would not rise to the top of the pile um, because there was really no partners uh, at these firms focusing on it. And so what we saw was an opportunity to create an, uh, an early stage platform to help seed some of these ideas and companies and to be a first mover. Uh, um, in the space in Israel and to thereby uh, be able to see and generate mo- most of the deal flow uh, in the country and be able to uh, to take advantage of, of, of moving quickly and seeing trends before before others did. And, and thankfully, we were able to do just that. Very good. So let me, before we go sort of into 
some of the things you're doing within this area. Uh, for my listeners, H- how do you define clean tech? Um, so clean tech can mean a lot of things to, to a lot of different people, and it's 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 not one set of technologies. It's a myriad of technology and subsectors. Um, we define it very broadly because our mandate is to invest in Israeli companies, so we are geographically confined. Uh, we're not investing globally. Uh, we're investing in innovation that's coming out of Israel and looking to serve global markets, but, but we're, our advantage is local. So as a result of which, when we define cleantech, we define it uh, quite, uh, quite broadly. So everything from uh, energy generation, whether that's solar uh, or wind or biofuels, to energy efficiency, uh, it can be in uh, energy efficient lighting, uh, batteries, fuel cells, uh, chemicals. Um, even uh, we have one company in the portfolio that's that's developing uh, environmentally friendly ink for. Uh, it's a print company that's doing print enhancement uh, in a uh, in a environmentally friendly manner. And so I guess at the end of the day. We're looking, and the way we define clean tech is, is technologies that enable environmentally sustainable economic growth, um, and that's that's a pretty broad definition. Um, but it captures a lot of what we're seeing in terms of taking advantage of the skill sets that are resident in Israel and applying those to uh, end markets, uh, which are enormous, and whether you know tapping into the global trends of uh, urbanization and population growth, and um, you know, ener- energy, uh, energy demand, um, and uh, really looking to find innovation here in Israel that can solve some of those issues. All right. So it's very interesting. So your fund, as you said, is as you described, is limited, or or its mandate is to invest in Israel or Israeli companies. Um, I've seen many articles in the press saying that Israel, meaning the government, should be advancing and supporting clean tech, but it doesn't, other articles I read or hear, hear things, that it, it, it doesn't sound like they're making it a priority, perhaps like Germany or uh, uh, I read recently uh, uh, an interview with the mayor of Copenhagen, how they're uh, making a serious effort to lower the CO2 in, in, Den, in Copenhagen and push mm-hmm. people into electric vehicles. Is this true? Is Israel behind it? Is it, is it or something they just like to get up at conferences and say, we, we, we like clean tech because it sounds good these days? Right. So I think Israel was behind when we got started, again, 2005, 2006. I think the government was behind some of the other economies out there, Germany being one example that you mentioned, Japan as well, uh, very advanced in terms of the forward-looking in terms of their support for the solar industry at the time. Um, Europe has generally been out in front of the United States on some of these issues, and, and Israel, but Israel has been catching up uh, fairly quickly, um, and it's it's been pretty impressive. I think the government is certainly making it more of a priority. Um, there is uh, a feed-in tariff uh, that uh, encourages solar, both residential and some commercial solar, that went into place in the summer of 2008. Um, there are strong incentives around electric vehicles, uh, tax incentives. So the idea being that if you get taxed on a conventional car and a purchase of a conventional vehicle here, uh, in some cases close to 80% uh, is taxed, that there would be 
uh, 10% or lower tax on a pure electric vehicle. Um, and so as we see companies like Better Place putting cars on the road here, um, I think I think those those incentives certainly are, are helpful. There's also in, in our back back to Israel Clean Tech Ventures. I mean, our our goal is not necessarily to green the the domestic market. We're looking for our companies to make money by selling internationally. Mm-hmm. And so we view we view Israel as a great uh, beta country uh, where you can get a local local customer. Um, and here. Uh, here, Israel is really at the forefront, and particularly two institutions here that are government uh, monopolies. One is the National Water Company, Mikorot, uh, which has a program called Watek, which really supports startup innovation at a very early stage. So a software uh, a company that, that has a solution for uh, water purification or desalination or, or um, testing, monitoring within a water network can go to Mikorot um, and pilot test their solution very, very early on. And that gives instant customer feedback, which is critical in the, when you're in the R&D stages. And, and more importantly, as before you go and, and sell a solution to Thames Water in London, for example, if you can have Mikkel Road as a, as a reference customer, it makes that sale uh, internationally much, much easier. And, and, and there are very few uh, water utilities in the world that would spend their time um, messing around with startup companies, and Nickel Road is is unique in that in that respect. Similarly, the the Israel Electric Utility, Israel Electric Corporation, has a program called Karat, which actually uh, not only pilot tests relevant technologies, but will invest in companies. So uh, they've invested in eight or ten companies to the tune of half a million dollars in each. In many cases, uh, early so early that it's before the VCs uh, come along. And so they're willing to take they're willing to take technology risk, and they're willing to provide uh, test beds for these companies within the electrical utility network throughout the country to uh, to help them productize some of these solutions. Um, and here too, I think uh, with with very few exceptions, most most government owned uh, electric electric companies are not are not going to make working with startups a, a priority. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then on a national level. You have uh, the Prime Minister's office now has a, an in- initiative uh, uh, for oil independence where they're looking to support companies that can help rid, uh, rid uh, this economy and other economies of their dependence on, on fossil fuels and oil specifically. Um, the, other, the other thing that's fantastic in Israel is the Office of the Chief Scientist, and this is not necessarily unique to clean tech because um, it supports all, all technology innovation. But the OCS has made clean tech certainly at the forefront of, of their priorities over the past several years. We have, of the, of the companies in our portfolio, more than half have received matching grants for R&D from the Office of the Chief Scientist. And so I think it would be unfair to say that the government is not making a priority. I think there's obviously there's, there's always more that can be done. But uh, but I think Israel, if it was, if I would say it was behind uh, eight or ten years ago, at this point it's 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 caught up uh, in many respects and is actually implementing a set of uh, very very intelligent policies going forward. All right, that's that's very encouraging. Thank you for that insight. Um, we all know about Startup Nation. You, uh, if if you weren't in the book, uh, you certainly could have been. Um, and we're very part a very big part of that book is telling us how IDF units 
uh, or IDF unit experience easily translated into high-tech companies. Um, now, the IDF, Israel Defense Force, Israeli Army, uh, they're certainly not out there cleaning water or looking ways to, to save electricity, but, but who are the natural founders of clean tech companies? Is it also that type of innovative thinking, people who come out of, of the Israeli army, or are we seeing them, people come from other places or other parts of society? Sure. So I would say the answer is both. Um, we are seeing in certain cluster areas of technology, so particularly around uh, chips, semiconductor systems, and power electronics, uh, algorithm controls. Uh, you do have know-how that's that's uh, present in the military here, and that uh, gets spun out in the form of individuals who go out and start companies based on what they what they've learned in their defense-related jobs. And there are a num and this is clean tech is no exception. And there are a number of companies. If you take power electronics as one example. Um, there's a there's a company called Solar Edge, uh, and another company called Pygo, both of which were started by folks that came out of uh, the power electronics unit within the military and uh, and started this com these companies shortly thereafter. Um, there's uh, in the in the chips and systems. I mean, you have folks that that uh, come out of corporations such as Intel and Texas Instruments that are starting companies. And these are these are areas where it's not water and agriculture, but in terms of building companies that bring energy efficient solutions to market, these are these are very appropriate places to look for talent. Um, in 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 the other other side of clean tech, where kind of we're thinking about Israel's rich agricultural history, there too there's there's great sources of talent. So you have companies like Netafim. Which is a originally a kibbutz-founded company in the 1960s, which was a leader in drip irrigation. Um, they have uh, they've created a, a nice uh, following of uh, of managers that have come uh, through their ranks, and, and some of them are, are now working in startup companies. Similar with Mikoro, which is the national water company, which I mentioned earlier. Uh, in the chemicals industry, Israel has some strong chemicals companies like Israel Israel Chemicals and Matsushima Gan. Um, and there too are there too are great sources of talent. Um, so it's really a mixture. You have the IDF uh, as part of the startup nation story is is making its presence felt even in clean tech, um, but there are also more traditional sources of of talent as well. Okay, so I guess that that's also very encouraging, and, and it leads me to my question. In other words, and I'm, I I probably know the answer, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Do you think that Israel or Israelis can be as innovative in clean tech as they have been known to be in, in high tech. Mm -hmm. uh, absolutely. I mean, uh, I think I think uh, the last the last several years has already shown that Israel has put itself on the map in a very very short period of time in clean tech innovation. And just you know, anecdotally, I can point to a couple of global competitions or surveys that 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 show that. Uh, one is the CleanTech Clean uh, Group 100, which is a, an annual survey of the 100 most promising clean tech companies around the world. And uh, this is put out by the CleanTech Group, which is an umbrella organization of the, of the industry, as well as the Guardian, the newspaper in, in the UK. And uh, over the last three years, uh, there have been between six and eight Israeli companies represented on this list of 100, mm -hmm. which, which is... Uh, 
by far on a per capita basis, uh, by far and away beyond any other country in the world. Um, you know, we talk, people talk about China and their innovation in solar um, and just the size of that economy. Um, there were three Chinese companies on the list last year as opposed to, as opposed to six from Israel. Um, and another, another uh, anecdote is GE, uh, their eco-imagination challenge, which they, look, they looked in 2010, this was, to find five uh, promising uh, companies. Two out of those five were Israeli companies. Um, and, and more recently, there was a, an innovation index that was put out by uh, the WWF and the Clean Tech Group that ranked Israel as number two in the world for its capacity in clean tech company innovation. So uh, the answer to your question is a resounding yes. The, 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 this country has made its mark in, in technology innovation. I think it will. It has started to and will continue to make its mark in clean tech innovation as well. All right, that's great. All right, let me, let me in our, our closing few minutes, uh, sort of the famous uh, scenario of, of the, the young people starting in a garage or a basement, or in Israel we call it a machsan, and uh, they come to their uncle or their father or whatever, and they they need some uh, angel money, as we call it, some startup money. Uh, we we all know the the famous stories, the apples, the Microsofts, whatever, uh, and many stories here in Israel. Have we seen that sort of pattern play out where clean tech companies do go public, uh, became become famous in the public arena? Uh, or are we, are we not there yet? Is it? It's still too young a uh, in industry. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 uh, it's still a young industry. I think there have been IPOs that we can point to recently. Um, you know, the, the, with with all that's going on in terms of the dislocation in the solar industry, that's kind of put put a uh, a damper on on the investor sentiment around clean tech more generally uh, over the past year, eighteen months or so. There have been IPOs uh, in the U.S. like uh, Enphase and Solazyme and Jivo. Um, these are uh, Enphase is a solar-related uh, electronics company. Solazyme and Jivo are both uh, biofuels-related companies. Um, but there, but more recently, there there have been some IPOs that have been pulled uh, pulled uh, from they had, they had filed to go public and then stopped. And you know, BrightSource, uh, which is an Israeli. Israeli uh, utility-scale solar company is, is one, of, one of those. Um, so I think the IPO markets are, are, are uh, it's, a t it's tough right now. Um, having said that, on the private level, the, uh, the investors are still uh, very active. Um, we have uh, had uh, the, the good fortune of having broad syndicates in almost all of our companies. Um, so these are we, we partner with other VC funds in Israel, um, the generalist funds. We've we we partnered with U.S. funds and U.S. Um, uh, U.S. based clean tech funds and European based clean tech funds. Uh, corporate entities are taking notice. A lot of the investment going on in clean tech now are from companies like GE and ABB and Schneider Electric and uh, Bosch and Siemens and others. And so there's there's really no shortage of, of private private equity capital uh, to fund this innovation and to take the companies to break even. It might be longer than uh, than an internet startup from from inception to to exit for an investor. And the IPO markets are sentimental uh, or temper, temperamental rather. And um, and so these these companies really need to focus on 
getting to break even and cash flow positive uh, with or without the liquidity that's afforded uh, from 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 the public markets and and to um, and to just be patient and over over time I believe we're going to see more and more uh, successes and we'll be able to point to uh, actual returns that were generated from early stage clean tech. One term you mentioned just in the last few moments, and maybe you could just give a very short answer. What, what did you mean by dislocation in the solar area? The solar. So, area. yeah. So, so with the solar industry, um, looking back uh, five six years ago, the, the, it, there was a race on to get to grid parity, which means basically taking taking the energy from sunlight and converting it using solar cells to electricity in a way that's cost efficient enough to compete with uh, the standard source of, of electricity supply, whether that's whether that's uh, natural gas or coal um, or or other sources of energy. Um, and there, these are silicon-based PV photovoltaic cells. And what's happened is that the price of these cells has come down much more dramatically over the past several years than anyone in the industry anticipated. Um, and so on the one hand, that's great for the consumer because we're getting closer and closer to that magical grid parity point where it's just as, just as cost effective to power your, your home or business using solar as it is uh, with using, with, with using uh, energy supplied by, your, by the electric company. Um, the, the problem is that for the companies in this space, uh, it's become commoditized very, very quickly. And so margins have shrunk. And actually, going back to your earlier question about what Israel is doing in terms of incent incentivization, the Chinese government uh, really incentivized their local solar industry, pretty much to the detriment of the manufacturers anywhere else in the world. And so what we're seeing now is a wave of solar manufacturers in, in Europe and in the United States uh, that have got, run into bankruptcy, mm. uh, and they're being beaten by by the Chinese, um, who are being being able to manufacture and mass produce these modules at very low cost, and are and the industry as a whole in China has been has been highly subsidized, um, and so there's a lot of uncertainty in solar and whether whether solar related businesses will be able to turn a profit. The industry as a whole is growing. Uh, so it's it's a it's a paradox in the sense that there's there's uh, you know billion billion billions of dollars you know seventy eighty uh, or plus billion dollar industry in solar and yet very few companies that are making money um, and uh, and that's fundamentally unsustainable uh, and so as a result of which there there's more trepidation about backing solar companies today than there was uh, three or four years ago. Okay. Well, I, I, I thank you very much. I know that you also probably just finished. There was a actual clean tech conference here in Israel, correct? Recently. Uh, yeah, this uh, this week there actually. This, this week. Um, anything you want to tell our listeners? Something exciting you saw there, uh, or something we can expect to read in the the newspapers or on the net in the coming months, or uh, any new areas. Um, um, you know, I don't think there's, there was anything coming out of that conference that was that was uh, that was was a surprise to anybody. Uh -huh. I think it's it's it's. Uh, uh, I think we're, what's amazing is that we're continuing to see new ideas percolate. So we we see two or three new companies every week walk through our door, and wow. many of these are, are not going to get funded. Um, many of these are still too early. Mm -hmm. um, 
we refer we refer some of them to angel investors. We refer other to, others to incubators, and there are a couple of very strong incubators in Israel. One that's focused entirely on water, um, which is uh, which is a great source of of deal flow for us. And uh, I think the 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 headline, uh, if if you're if you're pressing me for one, is that the pace of innovation is uh, is steady, and if 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 anything, it's picking up. Um, we're seeing we're seeing more entrepreneurs, uh, second and third time uh, folks who have led companies in other industries, think about how they can play into the themes of sustainable economic growth with their with their new with their new startups, and uh, that's very very exciting. Well, th- thank you, Glenn. I- I'll close with the following: as, as we all know, yesterday was the fourth of July. Uh, when I was young, they used to always show a movie that was the life of uh, George M. Cohan, who uh, sang this song, I'm, I'm Yankee Doodle Dandy. And at the end yeah. of every of his concerts, he used to say, I thank you, my father thanks you, my mother thanks you. And I, I think for you being in clean tech, I could say, I, I thank you and hope for your success and my children and my grandchildren and hopefully my great-grandchildren because I think we'll all benefit from what you're doing and the companies that you're funding. So... Uh, I thank you for this interview, and we future generations thank you for your efforts. Great. Thanks very much, Philip. I really appreciate you taking the time, and I've enjoyed being on the podcast, and and uh, I've enjoyed also very much working with you uh, over the past 15, 20 years. And so uh, I, look forward, I look forward to many more years together. Thank you very much, Glenn. I hope you enjoyed our podcast. Feel free to visit us at www. or look for Philip Stein Associates on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Goodbye.